Welcome to a tech moment on Cannabis Tech. I'm your host, Christina Etter. Today we're checking back in with RJ Hop at Pan Exchange to talk about the current state of the hemp industry and discuss their monthly hemp market report. Welcome back to the show, RJ. Hey, thanks, Christina. It's great to be back again. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. This is such an important uh, discussion, I think, to have right now, or at least very timely in this first question that I have, because your report this month really went into kind of some depth on some of these various weather problems that the hemp and cannabis industries have been experiencing. I mean, obviously, in the West Coast, we know that things are on fire and people are being evacuated and, and there's just so many problems there. But the hurricane has has caused all kinds of problems hurricane laura the snowfall in colorado it just seems like the weather has been relentless this year do you want to touch base a little bit on what you're seeing yeah absolutely i guess before i start there uh you know just want to say everyone's thoughts and prayers there's a lot going on right now so i hope everyone's doing safe um but i mean like you said uh there's a lot going on right now and ultimately I think that it's going to take a little bit of time to see exactly what the impact of all these events are and you know, not to jump ahead to some of these other topics that we're going to talk about, but um, you know, crops, crop acreage for the hemp industry was already down um, you know, on the West coast with the fires and even in Colorado, you do have some concerns whether that impacts smokable flower production, um, this snow in Colorado and throughout the United States definitely could impact production there. I mean, hurricanes, so it's kind of one thing after another and, you know, what seems like a summer of, uh, you know, unfortunate events, I guess you could say. Um, so that's, you know, having said that, something that we're going to continue to look into to try to draw some parallels and see exactly how supply uh, will be impacted. Um, but definitely one of those things that this year's supply is going to be significantly different from last year's. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm here in Colorado and we were absolutely shocked and amazed at that 70 degree temperature plunge that we had last week. And then that was the first thing that came to mind was, oh my goodness, how on earth are they going to help or, you know, try to protect these plants? And, and I knew that this was going to be a, probably a significant impact. So it will be interesting to kind of see how this all pans out in the end. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully not too much was, was horribly hurt here in Colorado, but we know out there on the West Coast, things are just devastating. And, and Oregon and Washington both are seeing huge hits. So it, it really is kind of, uh, kind of fascinating and scary all at the same time. But now let's shift gears just a little bit here and let's go and talk about the WHO and the EU and where exactly does CBD stand uh, in, in, in the European Union and what kind of impact do you see what the WHO is talking about having on the uh, CBD market? Yeah, it's a good question. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, to start, um, I strongly believe that the hemp industry, not just specifically looking at the cannabinoid side, but the industrial side as well, will develop into an international market. And, you know, can, looking at you know, where people are at, and everything across the globe, I view the EU as a you know, big cog in that whole equation. So and with regards to the WHO and the EU, I mean, it's interesting to look at the progression of everything because you know, a couple months back, I think that we were talking about how the EU is starting to outline you know, how they regulate things. And the WHO up until recently had been a big proponent of CBD where 
they had published a report in, I think, 2017 talking about how they saw minimal risk to it, um, you know, so on and so forth. However, last month, they walked back on some of those, uh, those initial projections and thoughts, I guess. So in looking at that, um, I think the big thing with the WHO is, you know, talking about how there's a lack of data and, you know, ultimately I think it takes time for people to see, you know, if this, you know, if CBD really is safe and, you know, there's definitely research going into it, but given the legislative and regulatory fronts of it, it's been tough to do that research. Um, so ultimately the EU is going to take into account what the WHO says, but the WHO isn't the final say in things. So they had a meeting at the end of last month to discuss the topics that the WHO outlined, uh, but ultimately a decision will be made in December when they have a you know, member state vote and they'll go through everything. So I think a lot is going to change, but it's also interesting to see that it's not just the U.S. that is facing these regulatory hurdles, but it's really going on not only here, it's going on in Europe, South America, Asia, really across the globe right now. Right. Yeah, it's interesting to see how things are progressing globally. I know that I just recently read too that Pakistan has passed a hemp program. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how things start to emerge in some of these other countries and how regulation pans out. But you did bring up one thing uh, that I do want to touch base on and just kind of bring to light, I think, a little bit more is that research and science are a process. So while we would love to have somebody just wave a magic wand and tell us that CBD is safe and, and everything is good, we know that there's processes that go into uh, the, the scientific uh, research that have to be followed in order to make those determinations. And while we fully anticipate that that's where we'll end up, we know that there's a process and some time that it takes to put into that. So I'm glad that you that you mentioned the research there. I think that's really important to uh, to point out as well. Now, let's shift gears a little bit and go to that FSA crop acreage report that was included in the, the in your monthly report this month. Can you talk about that a little bit and what you're seeing and why it's critical? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so myself coming from a bit of an ag background, uh, the FSA crop acreage report, which is from Forest Service Agency, they're a subsect of the USDA. They produce a series of reports at the end of every summer going through the winter where they outline for basically every single crop that's grown here in the U.S., how much is being grown, where it's being grown, et cetera. So it's a key report in terms of seeing how these markets are developing from a supply standpoint. Um, so specifically looking at the hemp industry, um, this has been something that we had covered last year. So that was the first year that they started tracking things. Um, however, it's a little bit of a moving target in my opinion, as it's a new process um, in terms of reporting those acres. Um, and then there's there's also some wrinkles as to if people are mandated, depending if they're on a pilot program or if they're in a USDA hemp producing uh, approved plan at this point. So there's a lot going on that can influence those numbers. But a big takeaways are that A, um, acres have come down significantly compared to last year. Um, and then also with the reports themselves, uh, from the first report, we thought that there is a you know, general air of underreporting going on, going on. So that first report in August had approximately 48,000 acres that were planted for hemp. Um, and then actually they 
The second version of that report came out last week, uh, which jumped that number up to about 62,000 acres. So it's good to see that those numbers are jumping up and um, you know, telling more of a story. Although I still think that there's a ways to go there and to drill into that a little bit more. Um, you, know, you have these major states like Oregon, Tennessee, I mean, even Colorado that um, seem to be a little bit low uh, on the surface. And I guess ultimately my concluding point here would be is that if you are involved with hemp production or you know, your company has an arm that is producing hemp, it's essential that people report these acres because it not only gives an indication as to where supply is at, which determines price to some extent, um, but it's also used for crop, uh, crop insurance programs and other government you know, subsidies and programs. So you know, it's not just the industry looking at it to get a gauge, but um, there's a lot of other decisions that utilize that data to make decisions as to how they allocate money going, going forward. Gotcha. That's super interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. I, I, it, well, in this year, it's just so up in the air because as we see those hemp numbers go up, we're also seeing the headlines of the hemp farms and things in Oregon that are just being completely wiped out. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to kind of see how the, how the year ends or, you know, turns out here in 2020 in terms of harvest and hemp market and, and those kinds of things. Now, with the DEA interim yep. final rule, it seems like this is on everybody's radar these days. Everywhere we turn, there's more information about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the IFR. How do you feel these rule changes and such might impact the industry going forward? Yeah, another good question seeming to, you know, August was a big month in terms of news. So um, there is a lot to unpack with the DEA interim final rule. Um, it came out of left field, uh, in my opinion, wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, but, you know, at a high level, it's probably not the news that the hemp industry wanted to hear, specifically looking at um, their, their thoughts that hemp products throughout the entire processing supply chain should stay at 0.3% THC or lower, um, which really shakes up how the processing side of the industry looks at things. And I think an important point that might be missed sometimes is that you know, when you take biomass out of the field that's at maybe a 10%, you're, uh, you're concentrating that to get it to a 60% maybe. You know, if you are at 0.2%, that THC is still gonna rise to about 2%. Um, so just through that first stage extraction from biomass to crude oil, um, you know, the concentrations of all cannabinoids within the plant jump up. Um, so there's some big questions, whether that is that, you know, THC remediation becomes a required step um, at the crude oil extraction stage. And, you know, not to get in the rabbit hole here, but in my opinion, THC remediation uh, capacity is not at the point in the United States to absorb that demand shock, I guess. Um, so there's a lot in the air in terms of how this will impact the CBD processing uh, leg of the industry and ultimately what will come from it. And in my opinion, I think that, that things will change. There's a 60-day review window um, and senators and other government representatives are speaking out on it. Um, but it's you know, definitely interesting to see the DEA come in at you know, this point in uh, put out some of these new roles. 
So now another point that was brought up in the IFR that I do want to briefly touch base on is talking about the synthetics. And I know that in the cannabis and hemp industries where most people are looking at this as more of a natural, natural product and natural um, supplement, the word synthetic gets a little scary. So do you want to touch base a little bit on what the IFR says about synthetics? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, kind of an interesting segue as to what we were talking about last month with Delta ATHC and essentially how they outlined it in that document was that, you know, anything that is derived from another chemical that's commonly found in the plant is labeled as a synthetic. And a lot of that Delta ATHC that seen in the market was derived from a CBD isolate. And I'm no science person. I don't know exactly how that process works. Um, but it you know, essentially is a move to take Delta ATHC off of the market. And once again, something that I don't want to necessarily get into, but it's, uh, you know, whether the legality of it or whatever, but um, my opinion on it is that that wording extends much beyond Delta ATHC and mainly looking at CBG as a feedstock for some of these cannabinoids that are harder to find within the hemp plant that are naturally occurring here. CBNs and uh, you know, some of these other cannabinoids where they're able to take CBG and turn it into that um, and ultimately bring a cannabinoid that's harder to find to the market in a more economical way. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting too, I think, to kind of see as we start to learn more about some of those minor cannabinoids and, and learn some of the properties of those, I think too, we'll see some more of this um, synthesized versions of these cannabinoids coming into the market uh, just because people are going to be looking for, for different effects, different things, you know, so I, I think we'll see more of that down the road. Well, RJ, again, Every month, I enjoy having this conversation with you. Um, everybody that's listening for our audience, if you want to go out to Pan Exchange uh, website and sign up for their hemp market report, I highly recommend it. It is an absolute world of information there every month. RJ, do you want to give them your website and tell them how they can sign up for the report? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I highly recommend checking us out on our website, www.panexchange.com. Um, there you can find information. And then if you'd rather just uh, reach out and talk to us, you can email us at hemp at panexchange.com and we'd be happy to talk through what we offer and see if we can't help some people out. So once again, I appreciate you having us on, Christina. It's a highlight of my month every time. So I'm looking forward to the next one here. Well, we appreciate your time too, RJ. It's always fun to learn about what's new in the hemp market and, and see kind of where things are headed. So thank you again for joining us and I hope you stay safe out there. Absolutely. Take care.